Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guests. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what religion you left? Hello, my name is Kate Kelly, and I did not leave any religion. I was forced out of Mormonism. Well, we count that as leaving because <laughs> you technically, if you'd wanted to, you could have went back. So. <laughs> Now, for anyone who is listening, because we have people of all different former faiths that listen, tell everyone a little bit about why you got kicked out. I know, but tell everyone else. Yeah. So I started a group called Ordain Women to advocate for Mormon women to get what's called the priesthood. And Mormonism is set up as an explicit patriarchy. It's called the patriarchal order. And so they were not fans of that approach. And so I was punished in the church in what's called a court of love. That's what they call it, which is, to no one's surprise, not loving and not a court. (laughs) It's basically like three men who get together and decide to kick you out of heaven. And so I was excommunicated from the Mormon church for apostasy in 2014 for advocating for gender justice. Such a monster. Come on. (laughs) Yep. So now, how has your life been better since you've been away from being involved in Mormonism? I mean, my journey out of organized religion was maybe more abrupt than most people. One day I was Mormon and literally the next day I was not. And everyone in the world read about it in the New York Times and knew about it. So I had a pretty expedited journey out. And I think the ways in which my life is better are innumerable. I am able to be more authentic. I'm able to be more myself. I came out as queer. I now have a woman partner who is also an advocate for priesthood ordination in the Catholic Church. And that's actually how we met. We met at a women's ordination conference many, many years ago, long before all of this happened. And so, yeah, my life is just so much better and more full. And Honestly, I don't make a lot of time for Mormonism in my life anymore. I don't really think about it as much or perseverate. And sometimes it just seems kind of silly and small. So now is your family still involved in the Mormon church? My, it's a mixed bag. My parents actually left in solidarity with me and never went back after I was excommunicated. They still live in Utah but they are not participating. They're not Mormon anymore. I do have one sister and some extended family who's still very, very Mormon. I feel like your parents not going anymore probably makes it easier to have it be where you can kind of not think about the Mormon cult anymore. Yeah, it's actually very nice to be supported in that way. I know a lot of people who leave, that's a huge barrier and like a very, very difficult transition for family culture. I was very lucky. My other siblings had already left. I have one brother who's gay and he married a man and they are no longer active in the church. I have another brother who also chose to leave very young, actually, when he was about 12. So 
when my parents left, it was, of course, incredible because not a lot of people receive that type of solidarity. And my parents were converts to the church, so they had actually given up a lot to be members of the church. And so, yeah, it was a huge sacrifice for them. Also, they lived in Provo, Utah at the time. So it's very hard to not be Mormon in Provo in a neighborhood in Provo, Utah. And they suffered a lot. They had their mailbox bashed in many times. They had members of their ward and community completely shun them. It was not easy. So yes, I'm very, very lucky. And it's a real, as Mormons would say, blessing. So now I know a lot of people hesitate to use cult terminology just because their family members are still in and they don't want to upset them. But let's face it, when someone is bashing in someone else's mailbox simply because they're supporting their child, that's a prime example of being a cult, I would say. Yeah, I think the cult, the word cult is hard to use because it's basically not possible to prove one way or the other, but that's not what's important to me. I think Understanding cults and cult exit is really important for people leaving because it helps you understand why it's so difficult. If you were just part of a voluntary club, you could come and go at your leisure and it wouldn't be difficult to leave and you wouldn't be punished and you wouldn't face all these psychological consequences. But cult exit is much different and very intentionally difficult because that's how they get you to stay. So I find For me personally, it was very helpful to understand how cults operate and cultic relationships particularly in order to understand how to leave and how to transition out. So yeah, I think it's not just an insult to call any given organization a cult. It's actually very helpful to understand the framework and the way that behavioral control works because... Otherwise, you just think, oh, why am I suffering? Why is it so hard? Why can't I just move on? But if you understand that you're actually leaving a cult and the entire organization is designed to make it hard for you to leave (laughs) and to control your behavior to the point where your own family members would punish you for questioning it, it makes it a lot easier to understand the mentality and it makes it maybe not easier, but at least more manageable to get out. Definitely. And now for people who are listening, explain why they felt so threatened by you urging them to allow women to have the priesthood. Well, like I said, Mormonism is an explicit patriarchy. So they're not like hiding it. It's very clear that's the game and that's the setup and that's the organizational structure. So if you have an explicit patriarchy, Women wanting equality is a direct threat to the heart of the organization, the entire structure, the entire theology, the entire. And so while it seems innocuous from the outside, like, oh, okay, women wanting equality, that's something that happened in the 1920s, you know, in the rest of America. But when you think about it, if your entire structure is set up with women being subordinate, if you change that structure, you threaten the hierarchy. So now, why do you think that the Mormon cult calls it a council of love instead of a excommunication trial? There are a lot of euphemisms used in Mormonism 
that make things that are horrifying and violent seem loving. (laughs) And that's kind of true of all abusive relationships. So when you think about domestic violence relationships, for example, a lot of people trying to leave them, their abusers say, I'm only doing this because you're making me. I'm doing this because I love you. I want you to change. I want us to be together. And that's the same way that the church treats violence. You know, an excommunication is a very violent act. And kicking someone out of their only community that they've ever known is very, very harmful. But the only way to make that palatable to other people is to describe it with a euphemism. So if you're calling it a court of love, you're describing your abuse as something that's the fault of the person who's being abused. So it's really just a way to do victim blaming. And now, do you wish that you had left beforehand on your own steam, or did you like that you were forced out and it brought attention to all their negative practices? I don't really, I think everyone just kind of has their own journey in and out of Mormonism and all cultic groups. So I think, I don't know, I just don't think there's a wrong or a right way. It's just the way that your path leads you. Whenever anyone tells me they're still Mormon, I'm like, okay, we're all on a journey. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel for me personally, I wouldn't have left on my own or it would have taken like a lot longer. So for me personally, this was the best route because it forced me to make some very drastic decisions. And I am proud of the work that we did. I'm proud of the way that we highlighted inequity in the church. And um, I think the way that I left is something very honorable. I think what I did was stand up to an institution. And when literally everything was on the line, my community, my family, you know, all of the relationships I had built, I went to BYU, I got married in the temple, I was every and in every way, a very, very obedient Mormon. So when I was faced with the choice of lose everything or stand up for your beliefs and your moral compass, I chose the latter. And I think I'm very proud of the way that that happened. Yeah, like you said, good point. Yeah, everyone's path out is the right path for them. And now, obviously, you don't keep up on it day to day, but I'm sure you've seen like all the big articles about Sam Young, maybe Natasha Helfer, people like that. What are your thoughts on? I, you'd be surprised how much I don't follow. (laughs) But I think anyone who is really pushing back against the hierarchy in an effective way, in a way that's going to appeal to mainstream Mormons is someone they feel like they have to punish. And someone who's like, oh, they're going to be labeled as an outsider, so it doesn't matter. Like, for example, um, there's a musician, his name is Tyler Glenn, and he made an album called Excommunication. And it was very obvious that he was kind of trying to irk the church, but they didn't do anything because someone spitting on the picture of Joseph Smith in a music video they don't need to excommunicate him. Like no Mormon is going to be like, maybe he's on our side. And so I think people with who are the most effective people who can be interpreted by mainstream Mormons as insiders, those are the people that they really target. 
And yeah, I totally respect and understand that you don't keep up on it. I shouldn't know if you'd seen like the New York Times articles about Sam Young or any of them, which again, I totally get. But yeah, those are those are great points. So what is your favorite thing you get to do now that you didn't get to do before you left the Mormon church? Probably have sex with women. That would be a fun one. Yeah. Lesbian, everything lesbian oriented, I'm going to (laughs) say. They're also like, I mean, there's just so many things, you know, go to brunch, not judge people who drink alcohol, you know, not feel in constant anguish about the racism and homophobia and sexism of an organization that I support and give money to. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things, both day to day and much more macro, that just make my life easier to live and more fruitful and thoughtful and authentic. So what are some tips you have for people who, unlike you, their family is still deeply enmeshed in it and they can't get that kind of clean break like you did? That's really, really hard. And I think people just have to take it a day at a time. I, you know, get therapy, you know, (laughs) I, again, I think learning a lot about cult cultic relationships and cult behavior is helpful, not for the purposes of proving you to your family members that they are not in a cult, because again, they're on their own journey and you're not going to be able to force them to see things they don't want to see. But for your own benefit, it's very helpful to understand because then it's like, oh, that's what that, you know, oh, that's common with every cult. Oh, that's what they do. Oh, they do that in this cult and this cult and this cult and they all do it the same it's helpful to understand that because then you can understand your or your interactions and your experience in the broader scheme and it's like oh that's why they only let certain people go to weddings or oh that's why they do this this and this it's a form of behavioral control so i think one of the most helpful things that i did was learn about the way cults operate There's a good book. There's lots of stuff out there, but there's a good book called Cults in Our Midst by John Jalalik, who's an expert in cult and cultic behaviors. But there are a lot of great stuff out there. So that's the best thing that I did. And again, just understanding that you can't control the journey of other people. You can only control your own. And now being part of the LGBTQ plus community, if you did happen to hear about it at all, what were your thoughts about Jeffrey R. Holland going after Matt Easton? I follow Matt on Twitter and I love him. He's so great. I don't know. It's just so weird that an old man, like two years or whatever, however many years later, would still be like thinking about and haunted by that experience. It's so crazy to me that this young person had such an impact on this person who's ostensibly a sage and so good for him you know good for Matt for um doing what he did and being who he is and I think it's just so funny I don't remember when this was but there were some tapes leaked of I think it was a meeting of the quorum of the 12 and they were being briefed on different issues and they were just like obsessed with asking who's gay who's gay like they talked about Chelsea Manning and they were like but Chelsea Manning is gay right and who's gay and like da, da, da. like it's just this crazy preoccupation they have um 
And so I just think it demonstrates it just absolutely haunts them. And I mean, there's more we could say about that and that armchair psychology, but I say good for him for doing what he did. And, you know, if you can live rent free in Jeffrey R. Holland's mind for two years, you've done a great thing. (laughs) For real. And it just blew me away. He would go to BYU and talk about a group that has seen violence done to them many times over the years. And it's just so sad. And talk about weapons in his talk to them and gaslight and say Matt Easton hijacked the podium and all that stuff, Mike. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so interesting when men in position of power feel threatened by marginalized groups, they just lose it. You know, they absolutely lose it and make such crazy errors and such have such bad behavior. I remember when I was in a meeting with my stake president and he would tell me to do something and I would say, with all due respect, I'm not going to do that. So he would say, okay, I'm going to give you time to repent and then we'll meet again and blah, blah, blah. And then I would just say, I, we can skip that step because I'm telling you right now that I'm not going to do that. And, you know, there's no point in me pretending that that that's not going to happen. And it was like his brain was exploding. It was like he was a robot and he was like, cannot compute, cannot compute, like woman tells me no, like cannot compute. And so I think when they are defied, even in the smallest ways, you know, for example, what Matt did at BYU commencement, when they are defied, they absolutely, it just, it, they can't get over it. (laughs) And it's so interesting to me. Yeah, I've seen that before, for sure. And now, as we're getting ready to get close to wrapping up, do you have any other tips for people who are looking to leave? I would say just my only tip is to be very patient with yourself. It doesn't, you know, life is long. (laughs) And you have plenty of time to discover new things and to learn things that you were supposed to learn when you were a teenager, but now you're 40 and you haven't. You know, we were raised in a very toxic, you know, hurtful, harmful organization. And it's going to take time to move on and give yourself that time. Be patient with yourself and also be patient with other people because they more often than not, are trying their best. Oh, such great information. And now why don't you let people know how they can reach out to you if they have any questions? Yeah, probably the social media that I'm always on and most active on is on Twitter. (laughs) So I'm at Kate underscore Kelly underscore ESQ on Twitter. That was, I signed up for Twitter when I didn't know how annoying underscores were. So apologies. But yeah, I'm on Twitter follow me there. I also have a podcast called Ordinary Equality. Well, thank you for coming on and have a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.